Welcome to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Aberly. Anyone uh, going back to the mid-70s growing up might recognize that theme song from the Hardy Boys' Nancy Drew Mysteries. That is the original with Sean Cassidy, Parker Stevenson, and Pamela Sue Martin, who at nine years old I had a huge crush on. And the reason I went with that show today, my guest, who has written a book a couple years back, it's called Sex, Lies, and Handwriting. She is a handwriting analysis expert. And this show, believe it or not, has been about a year in the making. And I think the audience will really enjoy this. I don't know much about handwriting analysis. Uh, if you would ask me a couple years ago, I might have said, oh, a little hocus pocus here, maybe some fairy dust there. But I did do some research, and it is a fascinating, well, I don't know what to call it, an art, a skill, a science. I'm not sure yet, but I'm hoping, and I, well, I shouldn't say I'm hoping, I know my guest, Michelle Dresbo, will be able to tell us exactly how this works. Michelle, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm okay, thank you. It's been a year in the making, and right. uh, <laughs> we finally got it together. <laughs> And I'm really looking forward to this. Now, you've worked with the FBI, I assume, I think, uh, Secret Service, many police departments. Uh, you've worked also overseas, correct? Um, that's correct. I've worked in Saipan and Guam. So, yes, I've worked all over the world. Okay. Is this your talent? Is this a gift, a science? Uh, you also an artist, I want to add, right. so the public knows that. So. It's very creative, but it seems to have a point-blank type of way of, of, of nailing someone. So that's why I'm trying to, because, you know, uh, lie detectors are inadmissible in court, but right. your skills are accepted, correct? Well, um, okay, I do three things with okay. the handwriting. I do handwriting identification, and that is actually saying who wrote the kidnapping note. And I identified the writer from the handwriting, and that's admissible in court. The, the second thing I do is called threat analysis, and that's how dangerous a writer is. And the third thing I do is personality profiling through handwriting. And that we use like a lie detector test behind the scenes to help profile a person. That we don't use in court, but we use... Um, to help in an investigation. Okay, so you would use the talent that you have as sort of a compass, a directional way of going to a place that you're looking for. Just just another tool in the arsenal, so to speak. Right, it's a tool. Uh, for an example, let's just say um, you have a note and uh, attached to a bomb, and the handwriting is very large, you would be looking for somebody who likes to be around people. And if the handwriting's teeny-weeny-weeny, you have a recluse, so someone who may be hiding out in the woods. So every single thing somebody puts on that paper reveals something about him or herself. And what I do is interpret that writing and make a description of the person from the writing. Now, that's interesting because you brought up uh, tiny handwriting and recluse together. Now, right. I remember the Unabomber, David Kaczynski, and I actually had the pleasure of interviewing his brother and also one of the victims, David Wright. 
I remember okay. looking at the handwriting of David Kaczynski, and if I recall correctly, it was rather small. Yeah, his handwriting was very teeny. Yeah. And um, so that's one of the ways. Uh, I'll, I'll compare Ted Kaczynski to mm-hmm. Ted Bundy. Okay. Ted Bundy had very large handwriting, and he, he liked to be around people. He was on college campuses. Ted Kaczynski had teeny-weeny handwriting, and he like, he was far away. He was the recluse. So that's a perfect example. So larger handwriting would indicate a larger personality, someone who wants to be the center of attention or at least around it? Right. Well, somebody who writes large, likes attention. You notice large handwriting. You notice some, and somebody who writes large likes to be noticed, likes to be seen. Um, somebody, and, and people can try this. If you write really, really teeny, you'll find that it takes you longer and you will focus much more on the writing. So people who write teeny-weeny are super focused and very into their own heads. Hmm. Interesting. So this is, okay, we're going in some good directions here. But then it kind of <laughs> leads me back to, to ask you, well, let me ask this first. When did you first discover you had this talent? Is this something that just kind of comes out or... Do you have a relative or someone that you know that works in law enforcement and might have been uh, dabbling in this type of uh, work before? No, not at all. I have absolutely no connection to law. I knew no, nobody in law enforcement had never had any intention to help law enforcement. It, I was an artist. I am still an artist. And... Um, I happened, I didn't, I didn't know anything about handwriting analysis. I happened to take one class. Um, I had had a background in psychology, and I had studied criminology just for interest. And I enjoyed it so much, and I read every single thing I could. And very, very quickly, I was, I knew more than anybody. And, wow. um Eventually, I got a call. I'm from Pittsburgh, and I got a call from the head of the homicide division that they had a crime, and they had a note, and they needed my help. And I went, I'm an artist, but I'll try to help you. And I came in, and I nailed it. So (laughs) that's how I started with all of this. And it's all about reputation, correct? So you get called in based on the work you've done previously. People know you. Uh, you're pretty much right on the mark, I would assume well into the 99 percentile. So that reputation that you have is what brings you the work. Right. Um, for example, I, and I won't name any names, but there is an FBI agent right now who has a case, and he said, oh, I went to the profilers in Quantico, and they just can't help me, and you can help me, Michelle. Here's the, here, there was a note um, that had to do with, the crime and, and the suspects in the crime. He said, help me profile all these people. And, and I just don't have to know anything. I just can look at that handwriting, and I will give a clear-cut picture of what's going on in that person's head. So it's that instantaneous for you? Well, I, I have to say that it's taken me years and years of study. And you had asked the question, is it an art or a science? Mm-hmm. You do need to know why somebody, the mechanics of it. It is a study of a science, but it's also interpreting that science and using all your skills to 
to interpret what you're looking at. So then you're also calling on your psychological background, your own personal instincts as well? Right. And also, um, example, I trained with the Secret Service and... I was with, I'm not a big person, and I was with all these, like, big Army intelligence, and I could look at something and say, oh, look at this A. Can you see that the person has this teeny thing in it? And they could not see it. I think as an artist, I'm very, very used to looking at pictures and details and um, that most people just miss. You just, you just answered the question I had in the back of my head that was eventually going to come forward. The fact that you are an artist, you hit it right on the mark in my opinion, when you look at artwork, you're looking at the fine details, the brush strokes. You're seeing everything that the normal lay person doesn't. We're just seeing the bigger picture, the art. Maybe we're lucky enough to break it down two or three folds, but you're able to go hard into the deck, so to speak, and really see the details. I think that's true. I'm, I'm able, A, to see first the big picture because I think you can't get stuck in the details like a painting. You, you can't look at the breaststroke before you look at the whole overall painting. But And then you look at the breaststrokes, but then you look at, is this painting dark? Did the, if you're interpreting an art, um, somebody who who does skulls and crossbones and uses lots of black and dark colors is going to have a different personality than someone who paints flowers and reds and blues. And so it's actually, um, I look at the big picture, but also look at what type of person would create this. So that's even one more, one step further. Yeah, because when you look at art, and I'm obviously a layperson in that department. When I look at it, I try to picture the artist right. and or the mood the artist is in. Right. So I guess this is just another step in that evolutionary process, for you at least, to be able to look at someone's handwriting and then broaden out or narrow it down, however you need to do it, to get a bigger picture, a fuller picture of that individual. Right. That's correct. I- Really, the science is pretty um, logical. I, I mean, and I and when I wrote my book, Sex, Lies, and Handwriting, what I wanted to show is that it's not just out of the ear. Every little thing makes sense. That when you write, there's a reason you choose, even though you don't know why, why you choose to write heavy or light or cursive or print, why people choose in their brain to write something. And it's all very, very logical. Wow, you wouldn't think about it in those terms. I mean, I you know went to Catholic school K through 8, and you know, the nuns pretty much beat us in the <laughs> writing in the right. proper hand. And that never, I never took with that. I got to be honest, my handwriting is basically atrocious. Uh, it's almost in uh, a cryptic kind of language that only well, that I makes- could read. You know what, that makes sense, just knowing you just a little bit. Um, people say to me often, oh, I went to Catholic school. That's why my handwriting looks like this, because that's what the teacher beat into me. Yeah. And I say, you have a choice after you left Catholic school. Did you choose to stick with how the teacher beat into you, or did you change it completely? So somebody who is super traditional, follows all the rules, 
still writes the way the teacher taught them. And somebody who goes, ah, my handwriting doesn't look anything like that. Those are your more creative people, your people who are willing to break some of the rules, go, you know, kind of break into their own person. So even that, there's a reason you don't want to write or can't write or won't write like the teacher told you to. You know, it's funny because I was thinking about it as I was writing up this morning and we had texted back and forth. As I was writing up my questions and trying to get a flow for the show, uh, I realized, and I've always realized, but you know, sometimes I just don't think about it. I press very hard okay. down onto the onto the paper that I'm writing on. I don't know if that's a stress thing or maybe even a weird sort of control thing. And but when you, you write know. very hard, some people write so hard that you can read it four pages underneath. When you write very hard, obviously you have to put more. Um, tension into your writing. So those are your people who are passionate, they have um, more tension, can get a little obsessive. Um, uh, when they do something, it's, it, they, have, they do it with gusto. Um, so and it's hard for them to let go. So those are your people who need, they, they are digging into that page just like they're kind of digging into life. Wow, you've made me feel much better about myself <laughs> on that level. Who's the opposite who writes very lightly, it's almost floating off the page. They're ethereal, they're sort of like, um, they like spirituality and lighting candles. <laughs> so they're, they're kind of caught between both worlds. Right. Interesting. Now, is there a difference or a large difference between how men and women write, and I'll take it to another level, between how a young girl, a teenage girl or a teenage boy would write compared to how they will later in life? Okay, um, teenagers, especially girls, all their handwriting very much looks alike. Not all their handwriting, but I'd say 80% of young girls have this very rounded handwriting. Boys, younger boys, handwriting varies more. Now, um, as you get older, and you form more of your personality, your handwriting will change. If, however, let's say after a certain age, your handwriting starts to change fairly drastically, it means that you are going through either a health issue that's changing in your life or an emotional issue. There's always a reason that your handwriting changes. Interesting. Now, between men and women, you gave that direct, you know, that, that example you can pick uh, well, up on stress. Uh, you you can pick up on a stress level. Oh, definitely. Between stress, men and women, there. There's you can pick up on everything. I mean, I can pick up when I look at handwriting. I can pick up um, the first. There's the general. Who is that person? What motivates them? Um, I can pick up. Let's say you're having trouble at work or with relationships. What are you doing wrong? Um, how can you make yourself more successful by changing certain things in your handwriting? Um, if you're dangerous, if you have sexual issues, wow, all of that shows up in your handwriting. Wow, I'd be terrified to like go out with you. I don't blame you. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. But I was going to get into that. Uh, but first, we got to take a break. We got to pay some bills. But when we come back, I do want to get into that because that is a tremendous special skill that you have but i can also see it 
scaring certain people. You're listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Aberly. Today, my guest is Michelle Dresbold. She is an expert handwriting analyst, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Aberly. Today, my guest is Michelle Dresbold. She is a handwriting analysis expert. She wrote a book a couple years back, Sex, Lies, and Handwriting. You can find it on Amazon.com. Michelle, can you give us your website as well, please? Because I saw you have paintings up for sale. You yes, do speaking yes. engagements. My website is my name, and it's Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, and my last name, which is Dress. Bold, which is a hard last name, but if you break it into a girl's dress, D-R-E-S, this one S, and brave and bold, B-O-L-D, michelledressbold.com, you will get to my website. And I have all kinds of quizzes and contests and all kinds of things on that website. Oh, you do? You've got some actual examples of some of the most famous criminals of our time period, even going back a little further. Right. And uh, I actually found that quite interesting. Now, before I get into the dynamics of relationships with the kind of skills that you have and how that works, I do want to ask you a little bit about the history of handwriting analysis. I mean, when you first kind of fell into this, and that's the way it appears it happened, did you go and research uh, the history of it to get a better feel for what you would be getting involved with? I did. I researched um, it, it, handwriting analysis. Actually, goes back to the almost the beginning of uh, time. People, Aristotle was into it. Confucius was into it. And in the 1800s, a group of psychiatrists and got together and they compiled uh, handwriting and they. They did different personality traits that they would find in handwriting and what they would see and how it correlates. So they've done research for for years and years and years. And in in the court system since the 1700s, they've had used handwriting identification. So this is a pretty uh, old field and with a lot of research backing it. What's the respect level, I should say? within law enforcement with this type of analysis. I know there's clairvoyance, there's people that can come in and they can say this happened, that happened, I know where the body is. Are you? Was it difficult for you to gain respect? Has the profession become more respected during your time period? Um, I, I really can't even talk for the whole profession. I can only talk for myself. When I first walked in to the Pittsburgh Police Department, um, the, the head of it was very open-minded and had a very good record, and he he appreciated what I could do. I walked around the detective bureau, and I could see that they rolled their eyes, like, who is this person? Is she another, like, psychic? Is she a weirdo? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would, because, you know, cops, you know law enforcement people, especially right, you men. Feel it. And yeah. then eventually, as people could see really how accurate I was, I gave a talk to law enforcement, and... They, the, my quote, reputation had grown so much that 
they there was a standing room only all the way down the hall detectives from all over the state came um so i i suppose when people don't know they're skeptical and i actually am a pretty skeptical person and something has to be proven to me for me to believe it um so i understand skepticism and my i don't mind it i go okay let me just see what i do and listen to why and um once people understand it and once people see how incredibly accurate it is and how hopeful it is um once they see that i win them over so i would be skeptical if i didn't know anything about it but um yeah you you just take the skill that you have and you present it as a tool and you know again i can understand uh, a little bit with my military background and and understand how law enforcement thinks and very skeptical very black and white but i think you have to be open to the different tools that are available because there are so many different kinds of cases out there right and and it's not just for law enforcement um psychologists psychiatrists um and we brought up dating i mean in the world we're we deal with so many people and so many personalities if you can have a tool that helps you just a little get a little advantage it's it's incredible and so um that's like being able to eye people up when you sit down in a room putting together a business deal being able to eye them up as you're sitting across from them what you bring to the table is even more interesting if there's handwritten notes being passed back and forth, you can really get a feel for somebody. You can really get a feel for somebody. And if you're hiring somebody for a comp- your company who's going to work for you, um, you you cut through so much that might take you months and months and months to know. Um, so, yes, you, you kind of cut to the chase. And so <laughs> I tell people, get a handwritten note, get it for me. And... Um, I will. I'll get to. I will narrow down what will take them months and months and months to see, in about fifteen minutes. So great. So you're cost saving as well. Yeah, <laughs> I can do it from that perspective. Right, now, right. Now, now let me, and and, and also, sorry. like if you're dating, it, it sure helps you with a lot of broken hearts, I guess. So. <laughs> well, we're going to kind of get into that next too. But I, but I have a question. Have you ever? come across uh, an analysis you were doing and you just instantly felt evil or something so negative in what you were looking at that it actually kind of took you back a little bit. It was a little shocking. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, I see all different things. And you said if somebody's sitting in a room, somebody can look a certain part. Um, but when you see their handwriting, it, it just tells you what's really inside of them. So I have seen handwriting of people, and I've gone, my heart has just gone, oh, my God, that we're dealing with somebody super evil here. Or or somebody who who pretends their life is all perfect. Some woman once at an event, like, they did a thing where they were having people give me their handwriting. Yeah. And, and she gave me her handwriting, and I just looked at it, and I said, oh, we'll talk about this later. I came. I went to her. I said, "Your personal life is really rough right now, and I didn't want to say anything in front of other people." And she said, "Yes." 
and she looked perfect and with diamonds and everything you need. And except she said, "My husband beats me, and I don't know what to do." I said, "We'll talk about that later." So. It's the secrets that are going on, whether it's that they're evil, whether they're going through a bad time, that, that they don't want to reveal to anybody else. But I have seen people's handwriting who immediately I get a feeling of like, oh, my gosh, get away from this person. Yeah, that, that must be difficult for you to some extent. I mean, you probably take your work home with you much more so than the average person would. Um, well, I do and I don't. If I don't, I people go, oh, you must look at everybody's handwriting. I'm like, no, I don't. It's work. <laughs> um, if I, and my friends will sometimes write letters and they'll go, don't look at my handwriting. I'm in a bad <laughs> mood right now. I'm like, okay. But if I'm not into it, I would just turn it off and I won't even look at that writing. I'll just like, look, I don't want to look at it. But once in a while, even when I don't want to look at it, there's something so um, that my eye goes, oh, my goodness, in that writing that I can't turn it off. How do you deal with the, uh, the negativity, the, 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 just the, the evil in certain areas that you find? I mean, how do you deal with that personally? Because you're exposed to so much more than the average person is, and you're getting an insight into these people's souls, if they even have any. Oh, right. Um, well, the interesting thing is I see sometimes they're evil, but I also see some of their good. Okay. And, um... Is there I, anyone that's just pure evil, or is there always a mixture? No, there are people who are pure evil. Wow. Pure evil, um... Yes. You would know, know that, would you know that by looking at them, or would it be like peeling an onion back over time that would be revealed? It, are we talking looking at them visually or looking yeah, at if, them in if, their handwriting? If, if, if you and I were sitting in a room and we were just talking, putting together a business deal with someone, uh, it would take a long time to figure out, I would assume, just by right. verbal I, communication. I mean, a lot of sociopaths are very, very smart, and mm -hmm. a lot of them happen to be good-looking. Yep. And um, it's, I think when we are fooled by our visual, we expect visually. We expect somebody who's evil to have horns coming out and look disgusting. But that is not how most of the people who are really pure evil look. They, they can... Um, they can assimilate, can't they? They mimic what they think we want to see. And let me go back to pure mm -hmm. evil. Maybe there is no such thing as pure evil because even the worst of the worst might have kids that they're nice to or certain people in their life never know. They can be good to certain people. So pure evil, I don't, you know, there are some people who are, quote, pure evil, but even those people sometimes can have a job and work fine, so at work they're okay. So maybe maybe you were correct when you said maybe people, there's very little pure evil, whatever that means, because these people, when they're evil, are completely evil, but they might have a side where they can blend very well in, into society or maybe even into family life. From what uh, some of the studies I've done, over the years, it's just out of fascination, uh, like psychological profiles, 
a sociopath usually is very intelligent. They know how to mimic or at least kind of portray mm-hmm. themselves in the way people expect them to be. A right. lot of times the the really good ones are pillars of the community. They can be a minister. They can be a teacher. They can be think, president. The president. They can be a lot of stuff. Right. In fact, there's been studies that CEOs of many, many companies, the top people have sociopathic tendencies and personalities, and maybe it takes a certain personality to really have that uh, desire and drive and that ambition and that crush anybody to get to the top. So they may not kill people in one sense with a gun, but they may crush you. They're the ones who, they, oh, you're working with them, you think they're your best friends, but hey, a promotion comes up and they'll step on you and get get, get up that hill. Uh, so I believe exactly different... what you're saying. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> I've lived it. I've seen it around me in my regular work and mm-hmm. that does, well they also say that cops are just the flip side of a criminal there's not much difference there in how they might think they just happen to fall on that side of the law right and, and in fact i sometimes think a lot of us there is a thin line and depending on what goes on in our lives we go a little more to one side and what goes on in our lives we push a little more to the other side um, I believe there are some people who are pure good and some people who are pure evil, but most people float somewhere in the middle, and depending on what their circumstances, who their friends are, what their life's going through, they can go a little shift a little more to the bad or shift a little more to the good. Now, this is interesting. On a theory here, could you take a young boy or mm-hmm. a teenage boy, do an analysis of their handwriting, and see into the future a little bit of where they might be going and then be able to use your tool as a sort of intervention to maybe head off the path that this oh, child might be going? Um, definitely. Um, it's a wonderful tool because the more somebody knows about themselves and what's going on, the more they can get help, the more they can go in the correct direction, the more they can work on issues that are standing in their way of going ahead. Um, and this, this could be teenagers. This could be anybody at any age. Um, if you, the, People say, is it, it's, oh, it's better than, it's like fortune-telling. I go, no, no, it's no. not. And, in fact, it's way better than fortune-telling because that's just, oh, yeah, you're going to meet somebody. But here, if you really know who you are and get a real grasp of it, you can take control and put yourself in the right direction of life. So, yes, whether it's a younger person or an older person, a middle person, the more you're aware of who you are and what's standing in your way, even if you won't admit it, the the more chance you, the better chance you have of succeeding in life. You know, you make a great point there because so many people spend money to go to a psychologist or a therapist or people who read horoscopes and it maybe you're making some sort of you know dent in it but it mm-hmm. sounds like what you do gives that an almost an instant insight into who you are right right i am i could give you a, a little example of somebody who years ago i saw her handwriting and i said to her i didn't know her at, it was at a party <laughs> i said to her 
oh, you're very, very smart and you've always succeeded and um, everybody's put pressure on you because you're so smart to get to the top. But what you really would like to do is help others. At the end of the party, she was crying. And I'm like, why are you crying? And she said, it's what you said. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I, don't, I hope I didn't hurt you. I don't know what I said even. She repeated what I said, and she said, I'm an attorney, and I am very smart, and everybody always thought I should be at the top. Because, but I've always wanted just to help people. I wanted to be a social worker. And until you said it out loud, I wouldn't admit it. And next time I saw her, she was reading a big book. I said, what is it? She goes, I went back to school to be a social worker. And now she's a social worker. We're very close friends. And um, it changed her whole life. That is tremendous. And, well, let me kind of get into that part of it now. In relationships... I don't want to get too personal, obviously, but I mean, but I, I mean, women women think differently than men, mm-hmm. and uh, this is a tool. I mean, right. you know, you can definitely use this to start weeding out the bad guys, right? Or is that a good thing, or is that a bad thing to be able to have this skill and be able to again weed different people out and? Is it something that would scare men off or even friends? Uh, Because you have that opportunity to dig a lot deeper into who they are than they might be comfortable with. Um, Well, the answer to that is yes and no. Okay. (laughs) It can scare people off. That is true. Um, What I have is my friends, more... They, they bring me, anytime any of my friends date anybody, they bring in their handwriting. <laughs> oh, man, it's like going through the guy's bills or something, things he's writing. <laughs> it's not just women, it's uh. men. In fact, some of my biggest clients are men. Um, I have a client, um, he's a mega millionaire. He dates all kinds of women, and every woman he dates, he sends me her handwriting. And recently he sent me a handwriting sample, and I I looked at it, and I thought, oh, my God, I hope he doesn't want to marry this one. And he calls another and goes, I think this is the one I want to marry. And I'm like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) And I very carefully said, let's look at the handwriting together, because at this point I've taught him a lot. I said, he goes, I said, do you see this extra loop? He goes, yeah, what's that mean? I said, that's a paranoid loop. And um, he's like, oh, and I said, I explained what was going on in her head and how she would get paranoid. And he wrote me a letter the next day, an email, and he said, Michelle, I hope this time you're wrong, and I'm such a good judge of character, so I don't think she's paranoid. And I was like, okay, okay. One month later, <laughs> he called Michelle. I broke up with the girl. I said, oh? He said, yes. She was so paranoid. Every time I'd walk down the street, she'd think I'm flirting with anybody. I walk my dog. He said, she, he goes, she started accusing me of all kinds of things. And I said, well, I didn't really, I felt bad telling you because you seemed to like her. He said, no, no, I'm so glad. He said, this time it took me a month to leave her. I would have found everything, but it would have taken me six months. That's the point. You seem to be able to speed up the process. Right. Like, life is, you don't have time in life to waste time or to get involved with somebody who's going to hurt you or be harmful to you. It's Life is, you know, you can't 
the way I look at it is there's, you can't waste years and times and pain. I mean, life is hard enough. You might as well weed out some of it. It's a tool. Michelle, we're going to take another break, then we're going to come back and... Believe me, I still got a lot of questions left. You are listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Aberly. Today, my guest is Michelle Dressbold, who is a handwriting analysis expert. She has written the book, Sex, Lies, and Handwriting. You can find that on Amazon.com. We'll be back in a few moments. Welcome back to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Aberly. Today, my guest is Michelle Dressbold. She has written a book you can find on Amazon.com, Sex, Lies, and Handwriting. She's a handwriting analysis, and a very good one, it appears, because I have learned a lot just on the couple of segments we've done. Michelle, what can you pick up very quickly if someone's trying to fake or modify their handwriting? Sometimes uh, you you need to have more than one sample of a handwriting because just one sample, some people write really slowly and deliberately, and it looks fake, but that's how they always write. Okay. Um, so if they always write that way, they have a problem. So <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I mean, this is great. It's, it's, it's almost like, I guess, uh, like being a ghost maybe. You're kind of just checking everything out and it is true it, it is um i <laughs> what i can discover is it's amazing i mean i once in a while will say something and somebody will let me in on their life and i'm shocked at what i discovered and what they'll tell me and they'll tell me things and say i have never told anybody else in my life about that and, and they'll say things like, well, and, and they'll say, well, you know everything. I might as well tell you everything. I don't know everything. But when I reveal something that they've kept secret all their life, they feel as if uh, they might as well tell me everything. Because I even have people say to me, they'll send me handwriting, and I'll say, well, you um, tell them maybe you should talk to a psychologist or psychiatrist. That was my next question. I mean, you're getting, it's not even a little bit of insight. I mean, you're really getting hit with a huge wave of who people are. I assume it's good that you do have a a psychology background to at least be able to deal with the emotions that you're going to be bringing up. Right. You, I have to be very careful of what I say. I mean, you are revealing. I, I usually will reveal just a little bit um, and see how the person reacts. And I, I don't want to, you know, somebody might go, I need more or I want more. And I'll tell them more. But sometimes I think, well, you don't want to, especially if there's other people around, I've been very, very careful on what I say. Um, if somebody wants to ask me more questions, I will, and they'll say, please, I need you to be as honest, and I want you to be as brutal as possible. Then I will tell them everything. And, and I was going to say one thing. I've, I've had people tell me stuff, and I'll, I'll tell them, go talk to your psychiatrist. Yeah. They'll go, oh, I can't tell my psychiatrist that. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, because you know why? You called them out on it. They can't hide it from you. 
they can't hide it from me and and they just feel well if you know it i might as well tell you and um hey they i know secrets <laughs> well, I mean, well that leads me to another question on a business side mm-hmm. you could go a couple ways with this couldn't you you could finish and maybe get a PhD or whatever in you know psychiatry or, or or as a psychologist, this tool would cut through years of psychoanalysis. It would cut through. I have many psychologists or psychiatrists who actually go, I can't figure out this person or we're having problems. Can you look at their handwriting and tell me more? And I will. I can tell from handwriting things, example, relationships that you have, people have with their parents. Um, wow. Very deep-seated things that a lot of people, it takes them a long time to, to reveal, but or sexual issues, and they will all come out in the handwriting. Wow, that is amazing. How much handwriting do you need in order to get... Then the reason I ask, mm-hmm. because, I mean, society's getting away from handwriting. I mean, the schools are starting to not teach it anymore. We mm-hmm. type more, but you still have to sign documents, and people still doodle and do different things. How much do you need? Um, obviously, the more the merrier. I, I can find information just from sometimes one sentence. But, the, but ideally, I, I like the person to write a letter, like, hi, Michelle, and whatever they want to say, and then sign it. The more they write, the more I can tell. Mm-hmm. And um, so if it's a little bit of handwriting, sometimes I can still tell a lot about that person. Um, it is harder now because people still do write. People say we don't write, but we still do. And I always tell people you really should write because uh, when you type, you use a different part of the brain than when you write. And when you actually write by hand, you light up another part of the brain, which is the part that is memory and language. Mm-hmm. If you want to keep your brain healthy, it's very, very important that you write. And if you're right-handed, sometimes write with your left hand. If you're left-handed with your right, it's a very, very important skill that really helps the brain stay healthy and keep, and keeps your language skills good and keeps your memory skills alert. So um, people who think, ah, I don't need to write, pick up that pen, you really do need it. Well, it's interesting you mention that because, you know, I'm, I'm a, uh, you know, 47, so, you know, computers are a little later coming for me, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty proficient in them, but I keep notebooks. I still right, keep notebooks. Uh, my shows I have done on notebooks, my regular business, I keep notebooks because I can mm-hmm. write faster than I can type. Right, and also the other thing is, example, when I wrote my book, Sex, Flies, and Handwriting, I could type it, it helped me organize it, mm-hmm. but then I'd take it in the other room, I would take it with a pen, and I would all of a sudden come up with other ideas. When you write, your brain is a little more emotional, it thinks differently. To get the best results, you may want to do both. Now, you, know, um, in the, you just mentioned writing and, and, and the emotions and everything. It makes sense. When you say that, because, you, again, you you're do this for a living, you're looking at some person's writing. You can read the mood they're in pretty much the moment they wrote it. Right. Wow. Right. <laughs> I just find this fascinating. I have to be completely honest. Oh, thank but you. But I really I, I do. do too. I mean, I've done it for years. I still 
am fascinated almost every day, and there's something that comes up that I go, oh, my goodness. How, how it's, the more you know, it, it's one of those things where the more you know, the more exciting and more fascinating it actually is. Well, I'm curious on this. Um to look at a pedophile, too, because, you know, you always find out the news, you know, the teacher, the principal, the businessman, whoever it was, people, mm-hmm. pe- pedophiles usually aren't or are not the people we would think they would be. It's not the guy with the trench coat. Right, it's not right. the dirty not guy. Baby, it's, yeah. Exactly. And I, I did a show on uh, child uh, pedophilia a couple years ago, and we were talking about how we miss the signs of right. those types of people, you can pick up on that tendency very quickly. Right. You can, I can pick that up. Um, you have to really, you can't just pick it up from one word. Mm-hmm. You do have to see enough handwriting. The other thing you can pick up, if a child or a person is going through an abusive situation, their handwriting will change. So if teachers would know enough about handwriting analysis, they could know when a child... Uh, is going through a situation that is um, causing them trauma. So it could work on both ends. You can help pick out the person who's doing, quote, the evil, but you can also, on another end, say, oh, my goodness, what is going on in your life, Jane Doe? Um, Because it's The person crying out for help that's not being heard. It's right there in their handwriting. So... Really, as teachers, as mothers, as fathers, the more you know about handwriting analysis, the more you can help help a child both learning, both if they're going through tra- trauma, um, if, if they're having problems, it will show up right there in their handwriting. Now, I was just thinking about this from a business perspective, and mm-hmm. have you ever been called by any professional teams to analyze someone's handwriting before they were going to sign them to a $10 million a year contract or anything? Well, I have looked at um, all kinds of things, and yes, I've been asked that. <laughs> okay. And, um, so, and and I, I, I haven't done this yet, but somebody has asked me, can you tell from looking at the handwriting which team's going to win? I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm quite that good. <laughs> but, that would um, be, you would be really valuable then. <laughs> I, I think there probably is a way to know that, but I don't I don't quite have that skill yet, but it's something I would like to work on. So you, wow, that's amazing. So I see I would utilize you if I was a, a team owner and right. before especially kids coming out of college. I mean, they're wild cards as it is. Right. I right. would utilize you. Now, another question I'm curious about, how often does the people, the persons, the organization, whatever that hires you, actually listen to you? After the first time, the answer's always. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, always. I get calls. I mean, I, I do a lot of hiring for companies, and they'll go, I mean, they, they go, I can't hire this person, not till you look at them. I'm like, okay. And I mean, I, I travel a lot for work, and when I'm out of town, out of the country, Michelle, I have a client, or I have someone I need to hire. Look at them. I'm like, okay. Wow. <laughs> but, um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, it's the, uh, I mean, or let's just say you have to go 
into a verbal negotiation or a battle against somebody else. If you could get a sample of their handwriting, you know what their weak points are, and you know how to go for them. So there's all kinds of ways you can use this information. Have you had your own handwriting analyzed by a uh, another person, uh, one of your uh, peers? Well, I, not for many, many years. I haven't. I analyze my own all the time. <laughs> it's a brilliant. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> oh, that is. Michelle, I have yeah, to yeah, ask you a question. I can say whatever okay. I want about me. That's true. You can. You have that, you have that privilege. Um, okay. I want to ask you a question before we finish up the last couple minutes. Uh, I didn't get to everything that I wanted to discuss with you. Would it be possible, and I'll contact you on this, to have you back on maybe in two or three weeks? Oh, sure. I would love that. And yeah. I don't know if anybody else has in your audience has questions. If they do, I'm happy to answer any. Yeah, sure, that would be wonderful. Great, because there's just so much more I can focus on, and we really didn't even get into some of the cases that you've handled over the years and just the different things that you've experienced. It has to be a fascinating day for you. I'm I'm pretty sure you're rarely bored. I am rarely bored. I mean, I am just... um I don't know. So I, and when we talk again, I mean, I will tell you about some of the things I've discovered in people and what they've told me about themselves. And I just sometimes sit there and I try to hope that my mouth hasn't dropped open. Because um, <laughs> the secrets people hold inside of them, they're just, and they hold, I, I I told somebody something, and we'll talk about this the next show. She was 75. She said, I've kept it inside of me for almost 70 years, and I didn't tell anybody. And it's just, I mean, and then they'll tell you their life stories. And knowing about people is, I think, probably the greatest gift that I've received from doing this. I have to say, but it has a huge responsibility that goes along with it. It does. I mean, it it really really does. does. Yeah, I mean... If you were, if you tended to be an evil person yourself, you could really mess up some people. Oh, I I could. <laughs> I mean, I'm not well, saying you do. I'm just, but if you had that I know, tendency. I really could, but luckily I'm a really nice person. So hey. Wow, <laughs> wow that is amazing, Michelle. We're going to have to wrap it up. Um, okay. and, and believe me, I don't want to. I. No, neither do I. I'm, but it was mm, so much fun talking with you, and oh. I look forward to the next time. We'll be talking again. I've got to go over some other things with you, but we'll definitely be getting together and discussing some more things. You have been listening to Life Unedited. My guest today was Michelle Dressbold. She has written the book, Sex, Lies, and Handwriting. She's a handwriting analyst. Go find the book on Amazon.com. Go to her website and... Believe me, you will be fascinated by her work, and you won't be able to not think about it. Michelle, thank you again, and we'll be talking very soon. Okay. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye.